Wanda Velasco tells about a, um, a young uh, father that she knew that was going to take her, his daughter to the circus. And the little girl was excited for days to come. And finally the day came, and her daddy had talked to her about seeing the elephants and the trapeze and the clowns and all the things in the, uh, in the circus. And when they went there, she was so excited. She got peanuts, Cracker Jacks, and they just enjoyed the day. Finally, he looked at his daughter. She was sitting there watching the show. And she sat back in her chair, and she got a puzzled look on her face. And her daddy said to her, What's wrong, honey? She said, Daddy, I can't believe they did all this just for me. And you know, sometimes we have an exaggerated uh, thoughts of our significance on this earth. But you know, one thing that we should not do is, is not realize that we are significant. We were created by God. God put us on this earth and gave us a place and a purpose to do something here on this earth. You know, there's something called the butterfly effect. If you study science, you probably know about it. But uh, <clears throat> it's the idea that a butterfly flaps its wings, creates a breeze. And that may seem insignificant, but if several butterflies flap their wings, there's a bigger breeze. And then you add in all the billions of butterflies and the birds and everything, it has an effect. And meteorologists understand this as they, as they study the weather. In fact, there was a meteorologist named Edward Lorenz that did a study. And he called his study, Does the Flap of a Butterfly Wings in Brazil Set Off a Tornado in Texas? And of course, the answer is no. But you put all the things flapping their wings together, and it has an effect on the wind and how the wind blows. And it's called the butterfly effect. And you have an effect on the kingdom of God if you're part of God's creation. And he expects you to have an effect. Now the question we ask, will you have a good effect or will you have a bad effect? Benjamin Franklin offered a proverb to help us understand that when he mentioned the ancient proverb from England. For want of a nail, a horse was lost. For want of a shoe, a horse was... For want of a, for want of a nail, a shoe was lost. For want of a shoe, a horse was lost. For want of a horse, a rider was lost. For want of a rider, a battle was lost. For want of a battle, the kingdom was lost. And for all, for want of a horseshoe tail. And the idea is that the battle was lost because they were short one rider. They were short one rider because they were short one horse. They were short one horse because the horse didn't have a shoe. And he was short a shoe because somebody failed to make sure all the nails were in there. Had they had one more nail in that shoe, it wouldn't have lost the shoe. And he wouldn't have lost the horse, wouldn't have lost the rider, would have won the battle, and wouldn't have lost the kingdom. You know, each of us has a place in the kingdom. We can be like a nail. We have our place and our purpose. God has designed his kingdom in such a way that all of us
have a place and a purpose and something that he wants us to carry out in our kingdom. Today we're closing out our series on spiritual gifts called Life in the Spirit. And we're going to think about your spiritual gift and what the Bible says. Uh, what are spiritual gifts and why are they important? You know, believe it or not, you can have an impact on the kingdom. And in fact, you do have a responsibility to do your part in the kingdom. That's what God called you to. Today we live in a culture where many people have the mindset that the grace of God is just all about helping me enjoy my sin. But that's not what it's about. God gives you grace so that you can be forgiven and be in a relationship with him and follow his son, Jesus Christ. And the point is that God wants us to become more and more like Jesus. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. Uh, that spirit which we've been talking about. There are a number of scriptures that talk about what the spirit does. Some say he gives life, uh, he convicts us, uh, he warns us at times. Uh, he's, God has poured out his love through the spirit into our lives. He gives us the fruit of the spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But one of the things that the Spirit does is to give us uh, gifts that we can use for the kingdom. Today we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to uh, think about those spiritual gifts. The church at Corinth received this letter. Uh, that church was located in the modern-day province of Achaia. as a leading city in what is today called Greece the southern part, and it was a city fueled by uh, politics and commerce. And there in that city, there were 12 temples, and they worshipped a multitude of gods, especially one goddess that they worshipped, Aphrodite. And part of the worship of Aphrodite had to do with prostitutes. There were over a 1,000 prostitutes at that temple at one time. And and that was part of their worship. So bad was the sexual immorality in the city of Corinth that to Corinthianize meant to practice sexual immorality. Uh, somebody said Corinth was like Las Vegas on steroids. And so it was a wicked city. But Paul established a church there. And he worked with that church and he stayed for about a year and a half. And eventually they wrote, the, they sent message to Paul that they had some questions and they had some, uh, some uh, problems in that church. And Paul wrote 1 Corinthians to address it. And one of the questions that they had was about spiritual gifts. And so Paul is writing here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 to address that idea of spiritual gifts. Listen to the words. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, 
Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So here Paul reminds us that all believers in Christ receive the Holy Spirit. You know, he addresses this question they had about the, the spiritual gifts. And one thing that's kind of puzzling here is what he says in, in verse 3. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. What he's saying is, if you have the Spirit, uh, you will never curse Jesus or say anything negative about Jesus. And if you, uh, if you believe in Jesus, you will have the conviction of the Holy Spirit that Jesus is Lord. Now, we've talked about this throughout uh, this series, about this Holy Spirit working in our lives and that we all receive the Holy Spirit. In fact, the apostles received the Holy Spirit of God and on the day of Pentecost, which, by the way, uh, in the Hebrew calendar, the Jewish calendar, today is the day of Pentecost. But when they uh, uh, came together on the day of Pentecost and the church began, they went into the streets of Jerusalem and began to preach. And preacher, uh, Peter preached a sermon, which the people believed in Jesus, and they said, what must we do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So all believers receive that gift. Now, before we were believers, and, and especially Paul was talking to these people, he said, you were pagans, uh, the non-believers. And he said, somehow you were influenced by various idols and things uh, uh, that led you astray. Today we don't have idols, so to speak, but we have many things that we sometimes put ahead of God. Sometimes it's money. Sometimes it's desire for power. Or it's our work. Or it's various stuff that we have, material items. It can be sports. can be other people can be politics. Even screen time today has become a God that controls the lives of many. But if you're a bona fide believer in Jesus, you have God's Holy Spirit in you to live in you, and he will lead you and guide you into the will and the work and the way and the wisdom and the worship of God. Now, we could easily resist that Holy Spirit. We've talked about that. But he will convict you if you will listen to him where you need to go. I heard about a father that was yelling for his young son, and he kept yelling, and the son didn't respond. Finally, the little boy walked into the room, and the father asked him, Son, didn't you hear me calling you? And he said, No, Dad, I didn't hear you. And he said, what do you mean you didn't hear me? And the boy went silent. Finally, the father said, how many times didn't you hear me? And the boy said, well, three or four, I guess. And you know, we can be like that with the Holy Spirit. We just don't pay attention. And if we will pay attention, that Holy Spirit, which we all have as believers, will work in our lives. 
Well, Paul then gets into the gifts, the various gifts that there are. Look at verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but all of them and in everyone in the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So he shows us that each believer has a spiritual gift. Notice he uses the word manifestation. Well, that is the presence of something that, sure, that clearly shows that you have a gift. A gift is an ability that you have to help further and serve the kingdom of God. It's given to each one of us. Um, Paul gives a list here. There's also some mentioned in Romans 12, verses 3 through 8, and in Ephesians 4, 7 through 13. I think we have a list of those. You can see those. Administration, discernment, encouragement, the gift of evangelism, faith, giving, helping, knowledge, leadership, mercy, prophecy, service, shepherding, teaching, and wisdom. All of those are the various gifts that God gives to his people. Not everybody gets all of those, uh, but it's a way that God delegates responsibility to his people to work in his church. C.S. Lewis uh, once wrote, he, speaking of God, seems to do nothing of himself which he can possibly delegate to his creatures. He commands us to do slowly and blunderingly what he could do perfectly and in the twinkling of an eye. You see, God could do everything himself, but he chooses to work in and through his people to help us partner with him be part of what he's doing. You know, Matt Moser, in addition to being our youth minister, is also what we call our connections minister. And he has a spiritual gifts inventory. He will have that available after the service if you'd like to get one of those and go through and determine what your spiritual gift is. He can also help you determine where you could help serve here in the church. We have a number of areas where we need help today, especially in our children's department. Uh, there's always openings in our youth department. Uh, we have uh, ladies that sometimes do meals for families who've had surgery or someone is sick. Uh, we need more ladies and gentlemen involved in that. We have men's work days where we need people to help often. And, you know, when we think about our children's department, one thing we need is a lot more men working in that children's department. There's always areas of service where you can work in the church, and we need more people to be involved. God calls you to use your spiritual gift somewhere in his kingdom. Now let's look at what he says in verse 12. Just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all his parts form one body, so it is with Christ. 
For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. We were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. So he explains here that all believers together form the body of Christ. And what is the body of Christ? The body of Christ is the church. It's made up of all those who are baptized into Christ, all those who receive the Holy Spirit. The church is the body of the community of the saved. And Paul makes a point, uh, which was often a subject of contention in his day, that no matter whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, whether you're a slave or a free, if you are part of the body of Christ, then you have a place in the kingdom of God. Now, today we might say no matter what nationality, what race, whether you're wealthy or whether you're poor, if you have made Christ your king and your Lord and the savior of your life, you have a place and a part in the body of Christ. There are ample scriptures that make it clear that the body of Christ is his church, his kingdom. And Paul makes a point about this body that all the members are needed to work together. In fact, down through uh, chapter verse 15, down through verse 26, he mentions not everyone is a foot, not everyone is an eye, not everyone is an ear or a nose, but all those various parts are needed, he says to make the body whole. And each part has a function. He says, not everybody's an ear, then where would the sense of sight be? And not everybody is a nose, where would the sense of smell be? But we all have our place and our part in the kingdom of God. Oswald Chambers once wrote, beware of worshiping Jesus as the Son of God and professing your faith in him as the savior of the world while you blaspheme him by the complete evidence in your daily life that he is powerless to do anything in and through you. You see what he's saying? If God is really in you, then there will be evidence in your life because you serve him on a daily basis. God gives you the spirit to God and convict, and to remind, and to influence, but also to equip you to serve his kingdom, to serve the body, to serve the church. Well, Paul closes out this section with these words, verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Here's our connection. As each believer serves by using their spiritual gift, the work of Christ is accomplished in the world. You know, Paul lists a few more gifts, and then he explains that not everybody has the same gift, uh, or not everybody has all the gifts, but there are different gifts. In fact, he says in verse 18, God has placed the parts of the body every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. 
So God has given us the servants that we need to do the ministry he calls us to do. The question is, are they all serving? Now we understand that people get older and are not able to serve or that people have health issues and are not able. But younger people need to step up. Even the youth need to be involved in coming and serving in God's kingdom to meet the needs of, of the church. Thomas Telwell was a preacher, and he had a preacher friend named Andy Eddington. And Thomas and Andy had been ministering at a prison one day. And on the way home, they stopped at a little greasy spoon restaurant to get a meal. And Andy loved coffee, and he loved sugar in his coffee. And he sat down, and the waitress brought his coffee, and he started scooping sugar in, three big spoonfuls of sugar into his coffee. And he started stirring it up. And the waitress, he looked at the waitress and said, Ma'am, I'm going to need more sugar at this table. She said, Now listen here, mister. You stir what you got. Thomas said, there's a sermon in there that we all got something to use for God and we need to stir what we got. So stir your gift and use it for the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your Holy Spirit that you've sent to lead and guide our lives. And we thank you that you've given us gifts. Help us to recognize our gift. Help us to seek it out and to pray about it. And Father, then to employ it to be used for your kingdom, for your growth. In Jesus' name, I pray today.